Hello, everybody. Welcome to Three Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Lee White. And Will Terry couldn't join us today because he is on assignment somewhere else. And uh, we have a special uh, episode today where we interview Katia Chen, who is an illustrator uh, working in children's books, concept art, and a longtime friend of uh, Lee White. And I, we go way back too. I knew her back in the, the day as well. We crossed paths. I would say. Oh, when you guys were doing the flight yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I met her at, I'm sure I met her at one of the, the gallery nucleus shows, but I um, but I know that we were at a, a, a flight booth together at one of the cons at San Diego or something like that. Yeah. She's a unique talent for sure. She's She was always mm-hmm. really good in school. Um, and that's, and, and we formed a critique group. So it's fun to go back and, and have this chat with her because I knew her right when I was getting started and everything was unclear for her and for me mm-hmm. and for all of us. And we were just kind of, kind of flying blind and, you know, to see her, how her career has blossomed and not only her career, but her, her, just her as a person, you know, she's become a mom and she's, and, and I don't know, she just seems like she's got it together. And then she's yeah. super on and we just got done with the interview. She's just so honest about Mm-hmm. How it is to be an illustrator? How do you balance these things? How how do you you know everything in hindsight seems so clear, and everything during you know while you're trying to live it seems so kind of murky. And she kind mm-hmm. of goes into that. It's just so cool to catch up after that much time. I mean, like it's been probably 15 years since I've since we've spoken. But we had this critique group in school, and then that lasted for a couple of years outside of school. And so yeah, just really cool to to touch base. She's doing incredible work. She's always been this really mm-hmm. personal, had this personality in her work. Um, and that's just gotten stronger, you know? Yeah. 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 So good, good interview. Let's, uh, let's get right down into it. Hello. Hello. Hey. hey. How's it going? Oh, good. How are you guys doing? I haven't seen you in so long. I know. It's been a long time, Lee. You look the same. Look at you. <laughs> look at all that stuff in the background. I feel like you're always just full of things. <laughs> That's my my print my uh, print center because uh, I had no way of keeping that stuff organized. So I finally got that system with the little printouts and stuff. And so now I can just be like, oh, grab it and send it out. I got to do that. I'm just not surprised by that you were I just remember that you were always the one that was uh you know like the life hacker <laughs> I now I want to interview you about Lee like we're just gonna sit here and just talk about Lee the entire time actually you didn't know it was going to be a roasting <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. no <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of info to roast on but no I'm still the same way trying to figure out how to navigate the world. <laughs> I hear you. You tell me you have it all figured out. I will follow you. But How are you doing? I'm good. And um, yeah, I'm good. We just moved um, back to California after being in Brooklyn for 10 years now. So really? A while. How, How does that what, feel? What, yeah. What's that like? Moving back here or, or Brooklyn? Both. Uh, I mean, yeah. how, how's, well, how's the transition? I mean, oh my gosh, it's like going back to high school a little bit, but not in, in not in a bad way necessarily. It's nostalgic. Um, 
but I just feel like such a different person, you know, walking through, cause I, I moved back into my old house that we were renting out for that whole time. And mm. it's, it's, these are choices I made 10 years ago, you yeah. know? So right. it's, it's interesting to see. And, and plus now I have, you know, my husband and my son who's three. (laughs) You're out of that phase, right? (laughs) Barely, but I still remember. I have like trauma left over from that phase. (laughs) Yeah. It's a night, it's crazy town when they're three and four. And it's it's constant um, crazy town. And so I just remember everything. There was never a normal day. Mm Mm-mm. No. Oh, my pants are on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know about your family. Tell, do you have younger kids? Uh, my kids are all not young anymore. So my youngest is 11. Oh, wow. Okay. And my oldest is 20. So there's a... But he's got a, a bunch in between there. There's like how many? Three in between. So it's 11, Five, 12, four. 15, and 18. Wow. You did it. Yeah, my wife. You survived it. <laughs> yeah, my you know a lot of lot of thanks to to Allison and everything that she's been able to do with that. And to her credit, she I was talking to her. I'm like, do you miss little kids? And she's like, oh, I wish we had little kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's her. That was her like her like her game was three year olds, four year olds, two year olds. Like she. She had their number. She knew just how to deal with them. And uh, and she actually has three or four pen pals who are young like that, that that are um, uh, are friends of ours, children. And so she sends them letters and they send her letters back. And we have pictures on our wall of like, you know, this is you as a watermelon, Allison, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So... you know, this doesn't I, have to I be see, a podcast about her, but I could I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> when I see pictures of my son at three, I do want that back. Or I see, especially when I see video and he's running on the beach or whatever. And I do miss that. And then I really try to think back about what that life was like. And I, I like now, like 11, he's 11 now. And now is the prime moment because now mm-hmm. he's just enough of, he's almost a peer in a way because I'm super immature and he's <laughs> he's he's getting older and so like he's my bro like we can actually do stuff in a real way that's like I think the, the biggest change for me came when when he stopped crying because he wasn't getting something he wanted mm-hmm. which was probably eight eight and a half like all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're like okay I can hang out with this dude and and have yeah. fun and so we became it went from you know being trying to ensure that they don't kill themselves mm-hmm. to that we can have fun to, together now we can be rough and, and and ride bikes and ride skateboards and all that kind of stuff so that that was a game changer for me but when i see those pictures of three and four man i miss it yeah i hear you and you're saying h is when he stopped crying if he didn't get what he wanted yeah he'd still cry if he got hurt but it wasn't that like I didn't get the thing, you know, temper tantrums kind of went away. I mean, still complaining, like sulking, but it was Mm -hmm. not the, it was not the tantrums and, you know, that stuff. Yeah. At least still haven't figured that out yet. So I I still have tantrums. Really proud of Emerson. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That's cool. Now, how, how is the difference between Brooklyn and, and, and California, just in terms of family life, in terms of being an illustrator, 
Like what's, what are you feeling different? Are you more, were you more inspired in, by the city when you're in Brooklyn or how, do, how does that change feel? I mean, I think that everything changed once I had my son, right? Like mm. Brooklyn became inaccessible after mm. I had my son. And it's so expensive that, you know, the, the lack of freedom, the lack of free time and the lack of mobility because I have to be with my son and all those things and paying that high price of being a city that you didn't have access to just made no sense. But prior to having my son, it was just, it's the most beautiful city. I, I love it. I love the intensity, even though I don't come across as the intense person I have, I'm pretty emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel things really deeply. And I think that also is something that I think I've come to embrace about myself. I think I used to be somebody who would try to play the part of the peacemaker and all these things. And, you know, even in my, in my art, I think it really kind of took a turn. I mean, I think especially after I had my son where I realized, um, you know, these are actually all things that could be channeled into my art. I mean, this is something people talk about a lot. So it's, it's not, it's a pretty obvious thing that people do. Mm -hmm. But for me, I kind of came late to it where at first I was relying really heavily on technique and just doing the work and, you know, storytelling these things. And I didn't really look at the, my personal assets and things that I could bring to it that was different necessarily outside of just style. And I think mm -hmm. at this point, it, it's a very different process than, than what I, what I, um, what I had before, if that makes sense. I'm not kind of jumping. No, it, no, it does make sense. And I, I, the, the thing I disagree with is I don't think people talk about it that much. I don't think it's that obvious. I don't hear what you just said coming from enough people. Like what is unique about me enough to, to bring something to the art that is that outside of style, like you're talking about and technique and stuff like that. I think most people are worried about that stuff, but eventually when that stuff becomes second nature and you understand the style and all that stuff, you start to look at those inherent things, those more intimate things, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really, that's really cool. And, and if I got that right, it was having your son kind of opened up that line of thinking, like, what am I, what am I doing this for other than, you know, a paycheck? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that really where it was? Yeah, really where I was. And I, and I, you know, I think that it's hard to speak to it in a, in a way that is really concise, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get a shot and see. Mm -hmm. um, but I, um, it's non-linear because I'm sure that a lot of the, the ways that I was working was leading up to it anyway. But I think that having a son just um, sped it up, sped up the process and he made it so that the stakes were that much higher because it really felt like in a way you, I mean, kidlet, you know, you sort of, you're in it and it feels like in a way that there is no, you kind of are just, at least for me, I felt like I was like, I was doing the work, but it felt like there was just, it felt like it was not sustainable. It felt like, you know, if you wanted to make a living off of it, you might, you know, you just be working all the time and you wouldn't, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you're, you're waiting for that royalty check they may or may not come. And mm -hmm. I never really looked at that closely. I enjoyed the process of working so much that I never, and I didn't really have that many material needs, you know? Mm -hmm. So I felt like my livelihood was okay. And after I had my son, then I thought, oh shit, okay, this this really needs to be, 
more than just me passing the time doing what I love. Like it really needs mm-hmm. to be something that I am thinking about it more seriously and and in a way that it's not about all of a sudden wanting to be that much more marketable. It's not that. It's just more about, well, is this going to be something that is worth being time away, having time away from my son? You know, is this I, yeah. it's got it's got to matter. It's got to matter. And it and as much as we don't want to talk about the financial stuff, I mean, the fact of it is it's like it has to add up add up there too. And I think I started to really wake up late again in the game. Cause I know Lee, you, you talk a lot about that kind of stuff in your workshops and you're you're really mindful of all that and being smart with your time. And I think it came late for me. I didn't really think about it until my son was born and really starting to think about, well, how can I make this book something that not only am I enjoying working on it, but something that is different enough that it's, it's, it speaks to a certain kind of unique voice that, and again, it's not planned out, but it's, it's an internal process. Sorry. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really making sense, but that's, um, no, it, it's it, not it calculated, I mean, but it's, it's more you going off of, I guess, emotion and feeling of like, how does this, how does this work in this overall ecosystem of my life now? Yeah. Sort of standing back and saying, what is this career that I chose and, and which parts of it do I want to keep and which parts maybe do I want to change and which parts do I want to get rid of? Sort of. Yeah. Was it that kind of feeling? Did you? Yeah, it was, it was that kind of feeling. It was the taking it a little bit more seriously because I also felt that at the time I was doing children's books as a way to pass the time until I got to concept art, because that was always my dream to do concept. I took that really seriously and I wanted to do that. And everything added up in concept, whereas Kidlet felt like it was like the, you know, the sort of stepchild or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) Well, we're definitely behind the curve in terms of rates and, and making a true living at it. And then there's a difference between being paid for something and making a living. Yeah. And I think concept art, they got it figured out because there's an inherent value in it and there's a standard and, and in, in children's books, sort of the pervasive attitude is you should just enjoy your, you're lucky to be getting paid at all because you <laughs> love it so much. Like it's the weirdest job <laughs> because they, they base our satisfaction as part of our pay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Um, so concept art, they had it figured out. Now, I, I did have some notes in here, and I'm glad you brought up that you're a concept artist. So for those of our, our listeners um, who don't know, you've worked on two movies now, right? Yeah, yeah. And so what have so you've you've had a foot in concept design, and then you've mm-hmm. been doing children's books. Um, have you done other concept design besides the movies? And I do want to ask about the movies, but have you been doing concept design since we graduated 2003, 2004? from Mm -hmm. art center. And Mm -hmm. so have you been doing concept art the whole time? No, no, I was doing a lot of, I mean, when I first graduated, I was doing a lot of uh, just gallery work, doing work Mm. just to sell prints, to sell original work. I was doing commissioned work. um, And that was how I got into concept. Um, And then I, at the same time, I started working at Nickelodeon doing, doing color styling. <laughs> Awful. And then. <laughs> wait, no, wait, stop there. I didn't know that was that you did that, but what was awful about it? Oh my God. I think, so I was working on a show and, you know, color styling is not glamorous at all. Like you're, 
I don't want to, I don't want to say it because I'm sure there are people who do an amazing job and they're really creative with it. But I think where I was on the pipeline, I essentially was just filling in, you know, like buckets of color, basically. Mm. And you're trying to decide between purple and like blue. It wasn't exactly the most creative, <laughs> but it paid well. And it was something that I did right after school and it secured me insurance, you know, and it, it, it had all the things that you want <laughs> to be able to be creative. Um, and then on the weekends, I worked on my children's books because then I had a, a contract with, um, uh, Hope Mifflin for the mm. Sea Serpent in Me, which was my first one. And then, so that's sort of what I was doing. And then concept was just this floating thing that honestly, it was a, you know, wasn't something that I was sure how to get to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, interesting to hear you talk about concept. Sorry to cut you off, Jake, but I just no, wanted to ahead. mention that. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, so so we went to school together and we took some entertainment classes together that we so we we did a group project I think we were about halfway through our schooling and we did a group project where we had to re reinvent redesign Alice in Wonderland and that was my first experience in concept art and I didn't know if it was yours too at that but it's um yeah you know that's <laughs> pretty funny so we both started in the exact same spot yeah. with concept art and I I kind of messed with concept art too, those first five years, just kind of weaving in and out. Um, so it's interesting to see, to hear how it, um, how and we went to school in, in LA. And so a lot of people kind of got that start too in different capacities. And so, so you were colors for Nickelodeon. And then, so you were, st- were you staffed there? Mm-hmm. Or- yeah. Full-time staffed. It was good. How long did you stay there? Uh, I think it was two years. Yeah, not very long at all, but it was good. It was a time. I actually ended up quitting because I had enough uh, contracts. Like I wanted to do children's books at that point. And then I just jumped mm. to that. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned gallery work too. Like wh- what was that all about? How did, how'd you get into that? I, gosh, what was that all about? I think it had to do with the fact that you can start it and you don't need anyone. You could just do mm-hmm. your work. Um, but I shouldn't say that I was, well, I showed in a couple of shows, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I was a gallery artist because it wasn't Mm -hmm. that I was represented exclusively at Mm -hmm. a known gallery or anything like that, but it was just, it just felt like the, the, the easiest route to getting something seen Mm -hmm. that was outside Mm -hmm. of just showing online, you know, and I, yeah, so that's, but it never was a, a something that I took very seriously. It wasn't something that uh, I, I was following, like the route to become a gallery artist or anything like that. There was yeah. a lot of opportunity around LA for illustrators to sort of mm-hmm. show in these group shows and stuff. Um, one of our friends actually opened a, a gallery in LA, Nucleus. Yeah. And so the first couple of years, that was the only place that I showed. I mean, there was a couple of <laughs> other spots, but that was kind of the main one to have these group shows. I never did like any kind of solo show or anything there, but I would just be a part of these shows for, you know, first four or five years. Is that how you kind of got going in that too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gallery New Clues was good because they also, it was the first of its kind because it showed art, concept art art too, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But yeah, it was definitely through word of mouth. It was just friends like opening galleries or having group shows and inviting you to be part. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I never really had like a big solo show or anything like that. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. I was just curious because you, you, you just, you know, you mentioned in passing and I was like, wait, wait, I gotta, yeah, I gotta understand that. So I wanted to go uh, back before art center. I want to know what led to that decision to go to art school. I'm curious how art center's n- not cheap. I'm curious, like how, how you're able to pay for the school. Cause a lot of our listeners are wondering, do they go to school? You know, do they get into debt for it? And and I'm just curious about your experience and maybe how that might apply to to someone today. Oh, good question. Um, so what made me decide to go to art school and then how did I pay for it? Um, well, I what made me decide to go to art school was because I moved to the U.S., when I was about 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time I wanted to do something else with my life. I didn't necessarily have the kind of childhood that some artists speak of, which is that they always drew or that they were always artistic in some way. Um, my family is really pragmatic and practical and, you know, they're like survivalists, mm-hmm. not necessarily like giving, you know, um, room for creative arts or anything like that. But, um, we moved to the U S and I, and I, you know, struggled with, um, learning the language and also just culturally struggled being accepted and all those things. And I think I, I leaned to, to art as a way to express myself. And I think from that, I fell in love with art making, um, and, And then I, you know, I went to a different school prior to Art Center. I went to UCSB where Mm -hmm. I, um, I took a entomology painting class and that was the first painting class I ever took. And (laughs) from there, I, I decided that I wanted to quit. And because at the time I was doing, I was double majoring in art history and anthropology and out of this entomology painting class, I realized I actually really want to do this for a living. I can stay up all night and paint. And this is just wow. so rich. And I and I don't really care where it takes me. You know, I think that. <laughs> um, and then I quit. And uh, my parents didn't know about me quitting. But I quit my school. And then I stayed on campus. And I worked on my portfolio. And I looked up all the different art schools and art center was one of the ones that people talked a lot about. And it was one of those ones that people really highly recommended. And so I worked on my portfolio for, I think it was about a year actually, because I, again, I didn't have much um, in terms of body of work. And then from there, during that time of a year, I of course had my family get on my side on that and Mm -hmm. um, definitely did not have the means to do it, but I do have a rich grandfather. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) You know, just being really transparent here. Um, Mm -hmm. And my mom did this thing that I, I didn't even know she did. She, uh, she helped me. And uh, she talked to my grandfather for me. I I had Mm -hmm. a dream of going to this place and the only way I'll get in scholarship, which I would never have gotten really. Um, And Mm -hmm. my mom talked to my grandfather and took him on a, on campus tour and, He's like, sure. And so he oh paid gosh. for part of the education. And then the other part, I actually was able to supplement on my own and get scholarships. So that's, that's kind amazing. Of how it worked yeah. Out. But yeah, it's not easy. It's not 
it wasn't cheap. And, you know, we had a big walkout, right, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Lee organized a walkout. <laughs> I heard about that. Yep. Yeah. Lisa came and covered that. I don't know if you remember my, so my wife's a journalist. So she covered that walkout. The first part of the worst part of that is I was, a, I was on a full scholarship at that point. Anyway, I wasn't paying anything. So like, <laughs> so you really were like, this is for the people. This isn't no self-interest. I can't That's believe awesome. you remember that. That's so, that is so funny. You, you, you basically, you know, like publish like what everyone was making. It was a big deal. Oh yeah. I got a hold of the art center tax records and oh. send them to the to the entire student body. Yeah. <laughs> Not great idea by the way. In hindsight, sometimes you just well, I and the only reason I did that is cuz I woke up early one day. I didn't have anything to do before my wife woke up. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> you were so impulsive. I was so Be stupid. Before we know. got on, he's, you know, shoveling down some lunch and he's going, you know, he's trying to talk. He's just all, I'm like, is that really hot what you're eating? He's all, yeah, yeah. I don't have time to blow on it. And he's just like shoveling it in. That's Lee White for you. I was going to ask you, you kind of um, uh, skirted over it a little bit. And if you don't want to talk about it, but I'm really curious, how did you get your family on your side with art, them being so pragmatic and I'm sure like, you know, wanting you to, I mean, just saying, Hey, I want to be an artist. Every parent gets like a little sweaty, like, Oh, uh, really? <laughs> you know, you're really going to want to do that. I'm just curious, like, how did you convince them or, or talk them into it? That's a really good question. Um, because I, I know that that's something that a lot of, a lot of families struggle with, like a lot of, especially I think, like in the Asian culture, I think that there's this pressure to do something that that makes sense to the parents that actually will pay the bills right away and all that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I'm not close to, extremely close to my mom. Um, and, you know, she doesn't talk about these directly. So I can't say that I had a strategy and he worked mm -hmm. out because I had this big heart opening conversation and I made my case and she listened. Um, I think it was just that I was working really hard. <laughs> mm. I think I just showed that I was willing to work and I was putting in the hours. And I think she's just, I think that's what it was. It wasn't anything I said. It was what I did. And I think I was doing all the research and I, um, and then he, she just, she just saw it in the product. I think is what it was. That's amazing. Let me ask about the the work because it's 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 so good to actually to have you on here. I don't know why it, it makes me it? so relaxed. It, yeah, it I don't know what I'm saying. No, I'm it's, like, it's, I'm it's really <laughs> it's really good because normally I know people of people's work or these people are people I've met you know over the yeah. course of being a professional, but you in particular and and the other group you know that that we had a little quicker with we sort of grew all at the same time together, and you have we just have this unique you occupy a unique spot in my life because for me, I, when I went to art center, I, I didn't have a huge training. Like now I'm learning that you didn't either. I didn't know that. Um, but art center to me, I wanted to ask you about your experience in art center, because to me, I think back on it and it was great, but it was also so incredibly difficult and stressful. And um, I almost think of you like a war buddy in a weird way. Like we were, <laughs> we were in the service together. <laughs> Um, uh, but, but I don't know, I actually don't know if everybody has that same experience, yeah. 
or memory of it. Maybe some people just breezed through it and it wasn't a big deal. And maybe it was just a big deal for me. So I'd like to hear how was that? Cause art center is an intense place. Um, it, it, you definitely work. I don't care how good you are or whatever. I mean, you work. So how was it for you? But did it feel like that? Oh, absolutely. It felt like that. I mean, I, I don't think I, I realized the work ethic involved in being an artist you know, until I went there. And I think, I think it, it, it is in my nature to push myself hard. So it wasn't that I didn't want that. And I naturally, I fell into it naturally. And I think that that's, I found that a lot of people who banded together, you know, were folks that were really putting those extra hours and not showering and all those like awful <laughs> things that you do in school and you eat awful things. and maybe just, um, anyway, so it's, and, and I, I fell in with that group and with, with you too, cause you worked really hard. And I think, um, so yeah, certainly I think it, it was what you make of it for sure, because I do know of like certain folks that definitely, you know, kind of had that whole, uh, were there just because they had it all paid and you know, whatever. I don't want to talk about people. I don't, I'm not, they're not here to speak for themselves, but that's to say that in anything you do, I'm sure that there are folks that are able to kind of coast along and not really take those opportunities. Um, but the pressure was on, you know, for me, for sure. I didn't, I knew that I had to have something to show for it. This is my one chance to kind of get the most out of an education that I couldn't afford. And also I think that I kind of felt like in a weird way, and I, and I, this is in hindsight because I never think of myself as someone with a chip on their shoulder, <laughs> but I think like, but I think I really felt like I had something to prove, you know, mm -hmm. um, in a lot of ways, I think that as much as I don't, I think it was, it felt really equal, like women and men and, you know, in the school, it really still felt like in a way, like I wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't just one of the girls, like in, in a weird way, you know, like I kind mm -hmm. of felt that pressure as well. Um, and uh, so, yeah, definitely like war bodies, definitely feeling like it was something that we went through that was really, really hard and we made it through and we thought about it. I mean, especially because, you know, I don't know about you and how you were thinking about your education, um, but I really thought about it as a means to have myself be independent from the education because I saw that a lot of the folks there wanted to just get good at school, which you can get good at. Right? right. You can get good at whatever the school style is. You can get the grades. But ultimately, I think that one of the biggest things that I I learned from, I think, my peers and you included is that it's really about finding your own your own self in it and being finding your way through independently, because that's what's going to carry you outside of it. So really thinking about it that way. That's awesome. So, so when you, so you graduate and then I remember that moment too, where all of a sudden we were just like heads down for, you know, two or three years or whatever, three or four years. And then all of a sudden you come up and you're like, okay, this is what happens next. <laughs> so for me, I ended up doing some concept design and I, then I worked for a bunch of architects doing architecture. Oh, yeah, you design. did do architectural work. I remember that. Those were great. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of competition over there. So, so how did you transition? We graduate and then did you, did you immediately start pitching your children's books or did that come later? What did you, how did you do the transition? You're doing gallery stuff, but obviously that's not going to pay enough to to, to pay the bills. And so how did you 
become a professional from the student experience? Um, so what happened was, Jake, you know about the flight series, right. obviously, <laughs> Jake was in it. Um, yeah, so what happened was graduated, and then we got a, I got a house with a couple of friends, Chris Applehans and Kang Lee, and our old buddy from UCSB, Rusty, who came, um, who moved in, uh, moved to from Santa Barbara to LA and moved in. And it kind of became a little bit of an art house where a lot of folks kind of came through. Kazoo came through, became friends with everyone. And then, um, and Kazoo was working at Shaderbox at the time with Wira, Nada. And, you know, and he and I had conversations about flight and then flight happened because we just had so many friends that were talented wanting to do, you know, comics and, mm -hmm. you know, Jake, your comic is amazing. really stand out. I mean, I was just like, this guy's a pro. Why is he in this like, <laughs> magazine? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, for that. From, from the outside looking in on that, I had heard about it because I knew everybody online and I didn't know anybody in person. And I, I, I was like, can I please be in this book? <laughs> like, I, no. I really want to be in it. Yeah. And so I <laughs> yeah. told a friend who was in it, I'm like, can you put in a good word for me? And then I got an email from Kazoo and he's like, heck yeah, you could be in it. That'd be awesome. So it yeah. was, it was good. I feel like that comic that I did was really like me trying to level up and be as professional as I could as I could be. I look back at it now and I'm like, yeah, I, I do it differently, but, but I really tried to bring my A game for that. So I appreciate you um, recognizing that. Oh, it's, it what, a, what an experience to live with Chris and Kang. I mean, these guys are, not only are they great guys, I mean, we all became really good friends, but they are so good. Chris and Kang in particular are, in my opinion, they're, they're just out there. They are next, they're Michael Jordan level. Mm -hmm. Compared yeah. to the other artists, they're just naturally yeah. really good, really good. Even back then, even back then. But oh I have yeah, to back say, then. Yeah. I have to say the. Do you remember the um, the intro to that book written by Scott McCloud? Did mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. So, he, if you go back and read that, he says, you know, you watch the people in this book are going to go off and do some great things, and yeah. you know, I look at you, I look at Chris. Kang, Kazoo, Reina, like Reina, all these people. Yeah. And Vera. Um, yeah, Vera, like yeah. all these Caldecott winners that are, that were part of it, you know, these these people who've made had just had amazing success. And it really was like this hotbed of talent going around that time. Um, which I think is kind of the point. We were me and Lee were talking about this before meeting with you. You had this critique group, which also didn't stop at college and went beyond college. And I, I want to ask you, like, how do you, how do you get in with a group of creatives like that? And how does that affect your work? Oh gosh. I think it was the single most important thing to come mm -hmm. out of art center, you know, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I, and I would say, I would even venture to say that that's probably the single most important thing that anyone can get out of schooling. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, in terms of getting in with a group, um, I feel like it it goes back to the thing that I was talking about with my mom is that you really can't talk your way into 
being someone, you know, you can't, you, you have to do the work for yourself. And I think it just naturally happens where if you're somebody who's doing the work, the serious work, and Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to be great. You can just be very serious about it, very dedicated. And I think that, I think, I think that kind of dedication, that kind of work ethic, it's something that people take notice of. And then you sort of just draw like-minded folks to you. And I think, um, so most importantly, I think it's about paying attention to yourself and seeing, you know, what is it that you're actually putting, you know, are you actually spending time on, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, you know, what we don't want to do is then make it a goal to get the group, right? Because then that becomes like this whole other kind of facade and, and, um, and it's not, that's not the point. I think right. it's, um, and, and sometimes it's just luck, you know, sometimes it's just that you're in the right place at the right time and people are wanting to make friends and include you in things, um, which I would venture to say like, yeah, for sure. Like I was really lucky to be, you know, in school at the same time as the, you know, Chris and Kang. And for some reason we all kind of got along really well and we have very similar personality traits and we kind of didn't, we took it seriously, but we also didn't take ourselves too seriously. That was the thing I think was a good kind of balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's hard to kind of say there's any formula. What do you think, Lee? I think you're really sociable. I would say everybody Thank was you. your friend. <laughs> <laughs> you know about that. Not the school administration, maybe. Um, the I think the biggest benefit, um, I, think, I think you're totally right, is there's a certain amount of luck involved. I think like minded people tend to, I don't know, it's kind of a magnet in a way. I mean, it wasn't a formal thing like, okay, I'm looking for members for this group and, you know, <laughs> who wants to try out for our group? <laughs> with a sign, you just hold a sign. You walk around the school. You didn't break. make it. You didn't make it. Sorry, bro. Try next year. Um, no, but we, we had, we, we, we had the luxury of, uh, um, highly focused student body and then the luxury also of a school that the the biggest benefit to art center is about midway through when you're done with your um your basic foundation stuff they just let you go and so you're really just like trying to swim you don't know what you're doing um almost i mean you you had to prove uh, you know, classes that you had to take, but almost every one of them, you get in there and they're like, okay, what do you want to do? And so our little group, we had like uh, five or six people that were intense on children's books. All of us knew we wanted yeah. to do children's books. That's true. And um, yeah, and it was obvious from the work, the work just looked like no matter what we were doing, whether it was a gallery or entertainment or uh, illustration, it looked like a children's book. That's the one consistent thing. (laughs) And so, and then, so there's that, that kind of drew us all together into the kind of the same genre. But then um, we had the benefit of Jamie Zollers. If you you guys know her from SVS, she's a great teacher. I've taught the book cover class with her a number of times. I'm organized and, and, and I try to be productive. She leaves me in the dust. And she was the one that I think formally put the thing together. She put together our Facebook group that it lasted past Art Center. Um, she just happened to organize it in a way that made it something more official than just a couple of people showing each other work. Yeah. So it was all, all those things kind of lining up. Yeah, I remember Jamie being very, very organized. And it's so funny because now that I think back, when she had her her son, it didn't stop her. She was just on and I mean, what? She's a force. <laughs> 
Like now that I am a mom, I'm thinking like, thinking back and going like, if only I knew Jamie, I, I had no idea. <laughs> you know, she's, well, you know, she's doing illustration and then she's organizing the icon conference. Meanwhile, she has two little kids. Yeah. I mean, there's, these are super people. That's and that's amazing. what I think, yeah. you know, if you can find these people and, and try to create these groups, um, they really do push you forward, especially when you start lagging and you see them there. It wasn't like a, a jealousy thing or something. I don't know. It's just each of us kind of motivated. I, f- I felt very motivated by the group. And I also felt very inspired by the group. Like not only that group, but Chris and King included, because that was part of our social circle, yeah. a pretty tight, tight circle. They're just so good. I remember this one time. I'll give you guys a little story about Kang. If you guys don't know Kang Lee, please look him up. He's a concept artist, one of the best, in my opinion. But we used to have these scholarship days, and everybody would have a little piece of real estate on the wall, and you put up your stuff. It was probably a 10-foot piece of wall. You can put whatever you want. And it was judged on who gets a scholarship. And so there was a lot of people who were going for scholarship, of course, and there was a lot of people who were into concept design. But when Kang put his stuff up, he put up these paintings, and they're they're spectacular, of course, like in, mm-hmm. in, in, in very concept design, but illustrative at the same time in a weird way. Right. And then he he had a little stool and he had notebooks of his sketch work. And I mean, you could just yeah, randomly, it was up. probably, yeah. it was like a thousand pages of any page in there would be better than I could ever do in my whole life. <laughs> and, wow. and, and just the, the, the sheer volume was so shocking to me that I was like, okay, this is what it means to be a true concept artist. Um, yeah. You know, and you see that every day and you're just like, okay, you just get a sense of, I got to up my game. I got to up my game <laughs> every day yeah. and you got to bring and what, it. What was cool about that too, back then there wasn't social media. So he wasn't posting that he wasn't getting likes. He wasn't was worried nothing. about comments. It was just him sketching. Cause that's what he does. And I, I go back to the thing you said, I actually wrote it down. It said, you can't talk yourself into being someone you have to do the work. You know, you have to be that's that. Cool. You have to be the person you, you want to be and you get there by doing it. Like that's, that's, that's really important. So very that's very that's good. Right. Very good. Well, well, continuing on this. So, so fast forward a number of years, Chris Applehans ends up being a, an amazing concept artist. And then he starts doing working on his own films and all this stuff. So can you talk a little bit about what you did um, on these movies and, and what yeah. was your role and all that? So my role was really small, but it was because of Chris. So it's so funny that it, it just comes back around is that, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's that whole thing about, about, um, just it's luck, but it's also the work itself, you know, that speaks for, for you. And I think obviously Chris is so talented and, and we were good friends, like, you know, living together after school and then ended. And then he, he approached me about the little prince because he was working as a concept artist there from, uh, and Mark Osborne was a director for that. And, um, he, and then he emailed me just saying that he put my name in to do a concept for that. Um, and then, so that's how I got that job. And then, and then he recently 2015 is when he started with wish dragon Mm-hmm. And he had a script and then he had me read it. And, and then I started working on that as well. So both of the concept, big concept uh, work that I did was with Chris. Well, because of Chris, I should say, and with Chris. <laughs> right. What did, what did you do? 
specifically? Um, so for the Little Prince, I did some vid staff work and some character design work, basically, for that, um, which essentially is funny because concept work, the, the allure of concept work is that it'll take you in its, in its, um, in this world and they leave you smarter afterwards, you know, in terms of visual, um, you know, visual, I think prowess and, and all that. And, and it was no different for these two, two projects is that, you know, there's a whole library that they, that, 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 um, and I'm sure you, you, you know, I don't have to go into that. I'm sure your listeners know about concept and everything, but essentially what I did was just do, you know, like a few, it was like a couple months on the little prince. It wasn't very long. And I just basically, they basically, he basically just told me, Mark basically said, you know, whatever it is that inspires you on the script, I want you to create some production design shots for that. And wow. then, um, whatever you like is open, open-ended, whatever characters kind of jump out at you that you want to design for, go for it. And then um, I had basically day rates that they were paying. Um, so then I just worked daily and then submitted sketches at the end of it, or maybe not. It wasn't That's really- That's the dream job. That is, is the dream of what everybody, everybody's ruling right now going, oh my God, why can't I get that one? <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Oh, it was, it was, it's so fun. It's Did so you work fun. digitally for that? Do you change when you do concept art? Cause I know you're traditional for the books. Yeah. So I do tradigital for the concept <laughs> work and mostly digital. So I do some sketches, you know, on a notepad or whatever. And then I scan it in and I do some color on top, but always painting Photoshop, um, which I'm way behind on all those things. I'm going to have to talk to both of you about what to talk to like up my game in that especially because I'm actually thinking about doing digital for my next book so I don't oh, know really I need yeah. to talk to you both about it because I, I really do need a new setup I'm not even kidding yeah why You're, do you say that is, is there something you want to get out of uh the digital aspect of it or why why, why would you want to change that I just feel like there's so much that people are doing these days that I don't know about and maybe that's part of me feeling like I'm missing out on something that's better than photoshop but there's Procreate, there's, you know, Cintiq. Ah, no, what? you're, you're good. <laughs> all that stuff is just, Photoshop, really? you could do it. Yeah, Photoshop's all right. you need. Yeah, all Procreate right. though, it, what's, for someone who, it, it, Procreate and the iPad combo is really handy for certain people in certain lifestyles. So like, for example, Will lives and dies by it. Um, he's yeah. our our third guy here could make it today. He, um, he has his iPad with him everywhere he goes and he, you know, he's sitting at a, in a dental office waiting and he's drawn something and, and then he can go home and finish it in Photoshop if he wants to. So that's, you know, that's kind of cool. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I, I like looking at your work and, and just being familiar with your work over the years. I just love the, uh, the, the, tactileness of it that it does feel like it exists somewhere other than in pixels you know um so i i'm it's cool that you're 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 looking at digital and wanting to go down that route but i don't want to lose you now, do, do you do way. you what do you what do you do with your what do you do with the traditional work because i'm getting ready to move as you, you and i talked about a little bit on instagram when you're messaging i'm getting ready to move and i'm lugging these uh, like half my books were done traditionally and then i switched over to digital um 
and I'm just lucky. I don't know what to do with them. I feel weird throwing them away. I feel really weird. I, there's no mar. I don't know if there's a market to sell them. And so I just lug them from place to place, what? and then I set them in a closet, and then I don't know what else to do with them. We absolutely do not. Are you talking about your originals? Throwing them away? Yeah. What? Yeah. No. I'm throwing away so much. Original. I guarantee oh you. <laughs> I guarantee you. One day he'll just be like done, and they're 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 in the garbage, and they're gone, <laughs> and he's not going to even worry about it. What? It, they probably will be because I hate, I have them all in a trash bag if that's an analogy for you. Um. <laughs> before you do that, okay. before you throw them away, let me have a first, like first picks. I just yeah. want to go through. And, what, well, what do you do with your, what do you do with your originals? Do you um, sell them? I think the you same thing them? that you do, uh, we put it, I put it in a, in a flat file. Right. And then do I sell them? I, you, well, <laughs> <laughs> I don't sell them right now. No, I'm kind of, you know, to be honest, I feel like I, well, okay. I did sell a couple of paintings for the sea serpent in me, my first book through gallery mm -hmm. nucleus, mm -hmm. right. When I had a show there and I did a book signing. Um, but now I'm thinking about it differently. You know, I think that if you're thinking about Kitlet as something that you're doing long-term, you don't know what's going to happen with your career and you want to have them. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. You know? And you, you, you could, you know, someday you might win some major award and be big time on people's radar, especially art collectors. And they'll be like, well, we want all the art that you've ever created for our collection. <laughs> and then college is paid for your son and retirement is helped out. And, and uh, it, you know, that's the ideal scenario, but it, it's not or like it could, doesn't or you happen. You could be like just completely, you know, just don't have a job. You don't have any money, and then you can just mm -hmm. barter it for food. Exactly. <laughs> worst. Yeah, that's those are the. And that's then they'll the sell it like some garage sale, rather yeah. fish in it. I, yeah. tell, I tell you this: the reason my artwork stays in the garbage bag and doesn't come out, even when I move it, is I, with the books. I feel like I learned because books are such an intense, long-term kind of thing. I feel like I learned so much from each book. Well, after doing so many, I look back on these ones that I did and I can't look at them because there's so much I want to change and there's so much storytelling that we had potential there and I just didn't but hit that's, it. But well, that's Lee, on I'm you. Sorry to, yeah, it's <laughs> on you, exactly. I'm sorry to say, Lee, it's not about you. It's about the art. You don't get to <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trash She's, it. She could put you in your place. Like, well, I'm going like to trash Only it. an old friend can do can talk to you that way. <laughs> I don't Actually, want to. I want to shift a little bit and go back to your son. We so Lee, Will, and I are three white dudes who have spouses, and we just get to show up at work every day. and And like taking care of a child isn't our main priority. And I'm wondering, do you? Is your husband a stay at home dad? Is it like balanced between you two? Are you primarily the the caregiver for your son? And how do you balance your work with that? Cause there's people who listen to this who are in the same shoes as you. And they're like, how do I, how do I make a go at this art thing while I have, you know, to drop a kid off at daycare or pick a kid up or take him to the doctor or do all that. So I'm just curious about how that works, schedule, things like that. Yeah. My, my husband is a cinematographer. Mm -hmm. So he has as much, you know, I think irregular hours as I do. Um, flexibility we'll call it right 
That's the optimistic side <laughs> of that equation. <laughs> Um, and I think, um, so how we looked, how we looked, um, for us was that we were super optimistic. I have to just really clear. Um, I don't know. We went into this whole like baby thing, like super optimistic because I started to meditate, you know, like 10 years prior, I just felt so ready. It was like, you know, we're, it's going to be a breeze. We're going to be so good at this. Um, and then, you know, can I say, can I swear? I don't even know. Can I swear? Okay. We encourage then, it. Like, no. We actually add swear words if you don't cuss. I mean, this is a part weeping, <laughs> weeping. Yeah, that's 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 what it, that's the old yeah. It's the only way to tell the story. So yeah, and then it just was really really hard. And I think you know initially right before when I was pregnant, I got two contracts back to back. And Lee, I know you're the king of like. You've got like, I remember just always thinking like, Lee just has so many projects. I don't know how he manages. And so we got these two contracts and we both decided that, okay, you can do it. It'll be fine. You know, we'll have a son and then we'll, we'll manage whatever it looks like. And it just wasn't the greatest idea because then I had a deadline right as I gave birth. I had to start working on a new book and, and turn it in. It was due. And I just was like, whoa, this is just terrible. And so my husband ended up staying home for mm -hmm. the first, like, well, it wasn't right away. So it mm -hmm. was, it was a little bit of juggling between us both um, mm -hmm. to try to figure out what would work in terms of his needs to be at work and do work. And then my needs to finish this, these two, fulfill these two contracts that we both had agreed on me taking. Mm -hmm. Um and then, and then the needs of our son and the things that were coming up that were so new to us that we were learning our way through. And we didn't have family nearby, so mm -hmm. that made it that much harder. Um, and uh, so in short, my husband actually sacrificed a lot of his time in his career in order to mm -hmm. then support me to finish my books. Mm -hmm. and, and then I was still nursing. I nursed my son until until he was about like officially until he was about three. I know it sounds wow. a lot, um, <laughs> but he's my only son. And yeah. it was just the weaning process was really gentle and it was mm -hmm. just what I wanted to do. And yeah. he wasn't, it, it's not that he wasn't eating solids and he was only nursing the entire time, but he just wasn't completely weaned. So he was still very much attached to me in some ways. And I basically haven't taken a trip out in three years. Like, you know, I've put him mm -hmm. for bed like every night, like for like the past three years. So wow. it's, except for two, a weekend when I went away for a weekend. So mm -hmm. that's just to say it's been really tough. And, you know, mm -hmm. my husband, and I juggle that and it's, and it's been hard on our marriage as well. So I think it's mm -hmm. just being really honest. Like it's just, it's all of it is really tough. And I know that, you're asking for our listeners that may be thinking about how to balance a new child, a new baby, or even just, you know, a young child at home and how to keep working. Um, I don't know. I'll be honest. I, do, I don't know. Well, I'm kind of barely making it. <laughs> Most days I feel like I'm barely, and, and we've, we had a babysitter come by mm -hmm. every now and again, but you can't even afford that. Like, cause that's mm -hmm. the thing about New York is that, it was ridiculous the kind of money 
that you mm-hmm. pay and the kind of money you don't get with children's books. And so that's mm-hmm. where the reckoning happened, where I was just like, what the hell am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? Yeah. I'm just drawing this, spending time drawing bears, paying some person to, to watch my son for $28 or 20 or whatever mm-hmm. an hour. And I'm barely making, I'm making less than minimum wage. And so it just, yeah. it just was horrible. I'm sorry about the venting. Uh, you know, the, the point is that, you kind of survive by just cobbling it all together. It it really Mm -hmm. is no, there is no balance for a while for me anyway. Mm -hmm. There there just hasn't been. Um, Mm -hmm. I think people are going to appreciate that because it's easier to do when you know it's normal. But I think one of the worst things that happens to people is they think it's different for other people, but they're struggling with the, how to balance it all. And they think everybody else is just doing it easily. So I think there's Mm -hmm. a huge benefit to hearing that. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think there's some people listening right now who are just like, oh, thank goodness. Like, it's not just me. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're I, a pro. You've I done so many. And, and, and if it's hard for you, yeah, it's going to be hard for everybody. I mean, that's tricky. Yeah. It is. It is really tricky. Well, and it sounds like, too, like good advice would be to go into it eyes wide open, have very open conversations with your partner and and keep that line of communication open yeah and uh and then um make sure that you know that you're checking in with each other and like is this working and what do we need to change and and uh you know at least that's how i've things have worked for our relationship too like you have to have these check-in moments and and kind of lay everything out and see what's what's broken what's what's working what needs fixed what needs maintenance stuff like that Mm -hmm. Uh, cool so Um, so what's next so you have a book that just came out um and what what's the plans now i mean that since this book's that's your new book just came out so that means that was probably what a year ago that you turned it in in the work and what's going on what's coming next and you want to talk about that book a little bit yeah. Well, it came out yesterday. The book came out yesterday, right? It did. It came out yesterday. It's called The Longest Let's Go Boy, and it was mm-hmm. published by Chronicle, um, written by Derek Walder. It's his debut book, um, and it's it's beautiful. It's really, it's well-written. It's a, it's a book about that's told from the point of view of a dog um, going on his last walk with his friend, his forever friend, and it it basically tells the story about their love and about what happens after he dies. You're breaking my heart. It's <laughs> heartbreaking. It's beautiful too. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, and if you guys go to her website, katiachin.com, we'll have links in, in the show notes. You can see some of the, some of the work yeah. from this book. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It looks like it's getting a lot of press as well. People are liking it. Um, are you happy with it? How it came out? Is it, is it what you thought it would be? Is there anything you'd change? What do you think? I am really happy with with parts of it for sure. Um, I'm happy with some of the production choices as well because that's something that, as you know, it gets decided pretty early on um, mm-hmm. what kind of inks you have access to. And I'm learning um, a lot more about the production end of things and how much how much to kind of insert my opinion into that as you know as early as possible because that really does then um, allow your art to be truly what it can be in the end, because you're not going to translate it if the, if the colors suck, you know? And 
Um, so for this book, because I learned a lot from the bear and the moon that came prior to this book about that battle and how this time around, I wanted it to be much more, much more useful than he was for the bear and the moon. Cause that, that one in particular was quite a battle. Um, in terms of production, actually. Yeah. In terms of, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's more than just the paper stock and even the cover design. It's really just about, you know, the way that the colors um, read on the page and also about like what what kind of color to use, um, what kind of inks to use. I mean, and for the Bear and the Moon, we tested a bunch of different things. We did Pentones. We, we did, um, uh, what was it? It was, uh, let me see. I think it's Rhodamine. Is it a Rhodamine replacer for what is that called? Yeah, it's um, so it's it's called like I think IPI inks, I think, but it's a replace replacement ink for the CMYK. Mm. So for the Bear in the Moon, we replaced uh, magenta with rhodamine, which is a different kind of red that's a lot brighter. And mm -hmm. so not to get into all the in the weeds about it, but it's just basically the production was not willing to go the route that the proofs showed was a better route, and it was. There's a lot of negotiating back and forth. And for the Let's Go Boy, I decided right off the bat that I was going to say, this is very important to me. And we're going to make a decision right off the bat on making sure that it's exactly that before I even continue. Because <laughs> that's when you're awesome. Down, yes. And that was oh, so helpful. Just so, so helpful to have that. So, I got to say, I, I've never done that. I mean, I don't know anything about what you're talking about right now. Like I've never actually specified an ink or anything like that. That's incredible. <laughs> So yeah. longest let's go boy and bear moon are those the two contracts you had lined up when your son was born? It's, are these or, or are we still waiting on an, one of those books to come out? Those are the two that those that are the two. Was, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's some sleepless nights in those pages and some some blood sweat and tears. A lot of tears. With, with the bear and the moon though, you won the Society of Illustrators gold. Is is that am I correct about that? Mm -hmm. That's yeah, amazing. so it paid That's off. Good. I mean, you're struggling yeah. and you're like, oh, how are we going to do this? And then, oh, it's just funny because looking at it from the outside, it looks like, oh, yeah, she just did this book and she, then she won the gold. You know, like they don't, <laughs> there's no understanding of this struggle, you yeah. know, how to get the inks right. Like you're trying to feed the baby and you're trying to get your, your IPE inks right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. People don't even know. It's no, and, and that's also the other thing is that a lot of artists don't know that they can negotiate that part. They think their mm -hmm. job is done once they do the work and they turn it in. It's like, no, no, you have you want at least I believe that really strongly that you can shepherd your book all the way through with the right production as well. If you if you want to be involved, you can talk about that from the very get-go and negotiating those terms and say that you are somebody who who wants to be involved in those conversations, especially like even in the text placement and all those things. I really highly encourage that because it can, design can make or break a book in some ways. It can take who published, away. Who published uh, Bear in the Moon? It was Chronicle as well, but it was Chronicle. a different team within Chronicle. Okay. So I had a different designer for that than I had for The Last Boy. I, I did a book with Chronicle, uh, a Christmas book, I loved working with them. That that was such a fun book. And they let me do kind of a wild swing with the art a little bit, you know, with the crazy halftone patterns and stuff. So yeah. I'm going to have so, to get that book, Jake. I don't know that book. It's called The it. 12 Slays of Christmas. So it's uh, perfect timing for it because we're rolling into the season. 
So yeah. nice, nice little ad plug there, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like it's all about um, vehicles and cars. I don't know if your boy's oh. big into that stuff, but. Yeah. I mean, that's all he wants to do. Like, how does that okay. happen? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So we, we don't want to take too much of your time here. Um, I just want to, I'm sure Lee has a couple more things, but I'm really curious about, we've talked about the last almost 20 years. What does the next five years look for you? 10 years? Are you thinking that far ahead? Is it just one day at a time? Or do you have like certain benchmarks and certain goals that you want to achieve? Um, I have some contracts in place right now for the next mm-hmm. until was it 2024? So I have cool. that in place. That's um, good. And then I'm working on my comic uh, with and graphic novel work as well mm-hmm. on the side okay. <laughs> on the really very 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 side i know um, how that goes <laughs> i know it doesn't really work it doesn't really work it doesn't go it's what yeah, yeah exactly yeah. I, I just stare at it and then say like someday it's just um, this like gentle like hum in the background like oh yeah that thing <laughs> <laughs> it's like the other baby monitor where i'm just right. like i hear you um that's funny uh, yeah, but it's, it's so I do have, uh, so I have some projects in the horizon immediately mm-hmm. for next year that I'm excited about. So I have the, the, a bio book, um, and then I have another couple of books there, but I, but what's on the, what's five years or 10 years, um, down the line, I would love to do more concept and I would love mm-hmm. to, I mean, gosh, are we talking about dreams here? Or are we talking about like actual plan? dream? I'm hey, curious. Both. Are we yeah. talking about big dreams? Big dreams. Ta- you know, put it's those big dreams big. out there in, into the ether and see if plans come from it. So, I mean, I love stop motion animation. I would love to, I would love to direct a stop motion animation. Ooh. I would love to see that. I would too. I, I would love to do that. Um, I could pitch see... something to Leica. Yeah, they should, they should. We should send this to them, and then we should have them fast forward to right right now. Um, yeah, no, I I think they're doing amazing things. I like, mm-hmm. how, you know, they do uh, amazing things. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's something that I would love to in the very very future. I don't know what that's going to be. Now, what like. about what about writing picture books? Because that seems like a no brainer. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm intimidated, but I want to. I definitely want to. Yeah. Why are you intimidated? Because you already write the comics and stuff. It seems like it's like a slight shift only. I don't know. Do you think so, Lee? I mean, I feel like picture books are just hard. Lee's never written a children's book, so uh, this no, is, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. That's the wrong way to say. It. I've never had. And we I've should never, never, we should not listen soul. to him. Okay. Because <laughs> I've written Lee's like a, I've written like so. twenty. That's but true. They all, they're all terrible. <laughs> It is. I get it, though. It's intimidating because it's like um, a children's book. It's like just come up with a perfect, memorable quote that everyone can 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 share. Just do it like right now. Come up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and a children's book is sort of uh, that version in a, you know, it's almost like a poem. Like, how do you write the perfect poem? How do you write the perfect 500 word story? You know, um, so I could see there's an intimidation there, but I feel like. I feel like if anybody could do it, 
you know, we're talking to someone here who who could who could nail that. The reason I throw it in is sort of self-serving because at SBS, we may be starting a publishing company. What? It's <laughs> true. That our little tagline so far. The world. Our, but, our well, little tagline is the books that artists want to make. So mm. 32 pages? No, no, no. It's whatever number page you want. It could be a four-page com- book. It could be a hundred-page book. The format yep. of books is going to change, in my opinion, um, from the third standard 32 to different formats, um, different what's included in there might be different. Maybe even like having a section of the art of. There's there's so many cool things that you can do if you Big get dreams. rid of that structure. Big yeah. dreams. Mm-hmm. So yes. we want you. We want your book. <laughs> The art that you want to make. Okay, well, we, you know, we have a verbal agreement, so it sounds like it's recorded. We're allowed to do anything. And I have to, I have to say, we do have a history of things spoken on this podcast manifesting themselves. So remember, a while back, I was like, I'd like to really do a board game, or you know, do art for a game. And in my inbox, before the episode even aired. I got uh, someone reaching out saying, hey, we're doing a board game. You think your art would be perfect for it? And and it was cool. It was a fun project. So who knows? Who knows? That's cool. That's cool. So you've got you've got work lined up through the next three years. You've got a graphic novel. Is it a bio graphic novel bio uh, book? No, it's a graphic novel that I'm working with my husband on. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Therefore, marriage counseling necessary for that to actually happen. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, there's this uh, this dream of doing some sort of stop motion thing, but also more concept artwork. I, this is really cool. I'm, I'm and writing liking, a picture book for us. And writing picture oh. book for for us. <laughs> I do want to do. You know, what's another thing I would love to do is I would love to publish my a dream journal. Is what I want to do. Just oh, putting interesting. Putting it out there. Yeah. Not like what a is dream, What is that? Not not like a dream journal where like it's not like a like how to like have a dream journal kind of book. <laughs> but more like more like um like see I don't it's not this is not a good pitch. I don't really It's a good <laughs> well we we can work through it. Is is this like you keep it by the your your bedstand and you have a dream and then you document what you're dreaming is that the dream journal and then you're going to illustrate that yeah a bunch of different like sort of odd stories that don't have a place here or there. that's what we want to publish yeah it that sounds exactly like a shantan type of thing yeah. right yeah exactly like that yeah but there's no place for it i don't know what it is oh, there is i would like to work it. on it it'll be fun for me to work on it and i have something well, like that on the side you know what was the tagline lee the books artists want to make that's right i like that it's a little clunky but i like the the it's just like it's, it's, it's like in its rough it. draft stage <laughs> that's why i haven't gotten a picture book deal <laughs> are you not publishing your own work it sounds like lee you're just you're not even no i'm only publishing my own work now i fired my agent and i stopped taking any commercial work so i'm only doing the horrible self-indulgent projects He's throwing away his old artwork. He's this is a brand new Lee. He's I'm doing a ta- I'm doing a tarot deck, and I don't even know where that's gonna. I end saw up. that. I mean, that's beautiful. You know, it's gonna yeah. be a flop, but it's what I want to do. Like your dream journal, it's like these things. Like this is what I want to create. Let's see what happens. You know, I yeah. think there's a there's a value there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, should we should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank oh, you. Thank you. And uh, everybody, go check out the longest "Let's Go Boy" um, latest book by Katya Chen. And it's so yeah, it's just been nice. This has been a really, really good hour for me. Yeah, so. thank you. Thank you both. Like it's been so good to catch up into yeah. this conversation. What a fun way to spend an afternoon. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Okay. So what'd you think, Lee? That was that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Oh, it was so good. It was so good catching up. Like I said in the in the during the interview. It's just like like seeing somebody I went to war with. And uh mm-hmm. it's just so so good to see what she's been doing. And mm-hmm. um man, I, I hope she does some work. Uh, it would be awesome to publish the book that she wants to do. Any of it, whether it's a picture book or a comic or even her. I'm actually really interested in that dream journal. I'm not kidding. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. It would be really interesting. Let me, let me ask you, what would be your main takeaway? Something you got from this interview that that you hadn't thought of before that you that you that resonated with you, I guess. Um it's, it's, I don't want to be repetitive because I sort of said something similar after we talked to Rebecca, but this, she had the same quality and that's, that's just this trust in yourself and this, and mm. this belief that the decisions you make will be the right one for you. And she is, I mean, it sounds like she really was intuitive in her decision-making and then that, it seems like that's gotten stronger, mm-hmm. you know, and to the point where she's, ta- I'm not talking to my printers about which inks they're using, but I'm going to now just to aggravate them. Um, <laughs> that's pretty good (laughs) you're using the wrong ink buddy um but you know she she just has a specific vision and Mm -hmm. and i guess that's my takeaway she's got this vision and she just keeps honing it more and more and more and more Mm -hmm. and um and i think she's and and because of that she's ended up with such a beautiful unique style that's sort of all her own she's not style chasing she's not Mm -hmm. like trying to be the current thing or or but her work ends up having this authenticity to it because Mm-hmm. she just brings that to it right right i like the the thing that she said it's um mo- mostly it's about walking the walk instead of talking the talk like you want to do something this was her going going to art school you want to do that thing well you better prove that you want to do it by actually making that portfolio proving that you're way you know that you're really into this and willing to do the work and and it was almost like her will and her work that she was doing made the planets align so that she was able to to uh to go to to go to school and to do that thing it it, it was really fascinating and even now too like like the fact that they moved from brooklyn to los angeles that's about her both of them i think being able to make the work that they want to make and making some of those sacrifices. You know, Brooklyn's a cool place to live. It's inspirational. You missed it, but me and Will talked about it in our interview with Larry um, mm. about does where you live matter in, in for your creativity? And uh, and you can get, you can, you know, ultimately we decided, yes, you could pull inspiration from where you live, but um, it's, it's more about what you're doing and what you're creating. And... And for them to make that move so that they could still do the work and 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 make the things that they want to make is, you know, kind of a testament to their devotion to to craft, I would say. Um, 
let's see. What I, did, did, I did want to, I did want to point out, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, along those lines to making sacrifices, but also using the things that are around you, you know, she, it, it, speaking back to her authenticity, she became friends with all these people because they were her friends and, and we were all inspired by this big group of people. But then those are the people that, um, that she ended up working with because just opportunities arise. It's just important to kind of acknowledge what's around you in an authentic way. Don't be a cheese ball. Like, okay, that person can, that person can help my career. So I'll go be friends with them. But this person over right. here can't like, it was never like that. It's right. always a genuine interest in people. And mm-hmm. then just watching over time, how those relationships kind of blossom. So, you know, it was, no coincidence that the whole group that I was with, the critique group, every one of them ended up with published work and ended up mm-hmm. being ha- having successful careers. So, you know, going back to your discussion that you had in your other interview, you know, does you know, there's inspiration that you take from your surroundings, but then there's also the personal connections that you make in an authentic way um, that can last a lifetime, both, both just personally as friendships, but then also professionally too. Yeah. One last thing, I, I wrote a note here. She said that. It's about finding yourself and that's what will carry you through. And I think her point is like a, uh, an illustration career isn't the easiest job path. Like there's a hundred ways to make more money with less work, right? <laughs> and so if you're going to go down this path and choose choose this, you can't, you, you have to be comfortable in your skin. You have to find out who you are and... That is, and and be making work that you're really happy with and proud with, and not not that you think other people will like, but that you really like, and that's what's going to carry you through these hard times. This these times where, oh shoot, you have a baby now, and you have these contracts, and how are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna finish everything and do everything? Uh, it really has to be something that that you're, that you that you like to do, I would say. So, yeah. All right, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Let's close this out. Three Point Perspective is made possible by svslearn.com, where becoming a great illustrator starts. And today, your hosts have been Lee White and myself, Jake Parker. Uh, you can find Lee White's work at leewhiteillustration.com and on Instagram at leewhiteillo. Uh, Will Terry couldn't join us today, but you could find Will Terry's work at Will Terry Art. Um, uh, uh, on the Instagrams and willterry.com for his uh, his uh, portfolio. And then myself, I'm uh, Jake Parker on Instagram and jakeparkerart.com for my online website. Um, if you like this episode, please share it around. P- please pass it along to your friends. Uh, podcasts live and die by word of mouth. Please leave a good review over on uh, Apple podcasts uh, or wherever you can leave a review for for a podcast we'd love to hear what you think you can join in on this discussion uh, i want to remind you that we have a youtube channel um, where where you can comment on this episode there or you can go to our forum over at svslearn.com and you can uh, log into the uh, the the forum and, and find the thread just for this this podcast episode Shout out to our podcast producer, Daniel, too, for producing the podcast. Thanks for all that you do to get this thing going and out there. Special thanks to our SVS 
production man- manager, um, David Bro, And a thank you to our new show notes writer, Lily uh, Camille, for all that she does to, uh, to get the, these show notes out there. And uh, thank you to our ad- admin person, Lisa Fott, for all that she does as well. Uh, this is not a solo production. It is a team effort. So we just thank everybody who, who puts their time and, and effort into this. Uh, and lastly, go draw something today. Thank you.